Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today we are bringing you a little bit of a unique episode, and this is going to be on chiropractic office design, and we're really going to dive into uh, the ROI of it, um, renting versus buying. There's a lot of different topics that uh, Carolyn Bolt and I are going to dive into, and she is with Crossfields. She's the uh, VP and Director of Design there, and she's a registered designer. You know, started out regular firm working with all kinds of businesses, and then uh, probably 11 or 12 years ago started really working with chiropractic offices specifically and we dive into some of the uh, you, you know the nuances of office design for chiropractic versus office design for other uh, specialties and so uh, I felt like this was a pertinent episode to have because it does play a big role in your patient experience your profitability sometimes hitting that ceiling of complexity I've talked to a lot of chiropractors that I've consulted with in office space not having enough of it or enough equipment or whatever it may be uh, stymies their growth and so uh, Carolyn and I dive into that uh, and and just really give you a game plan on what you should start thinking about whether it's uh, you know if you own the suite or office or you're renting uh, if you need to upgrade or update how often furniture all kinds of different flow and design aspects and, you know, I went through this myself in 2013 when I purchased my office space, and it was quite a uh, process. I, I did do a, a good job of hiring professionals, uh, but one thing that I didn't do was hire a professional that really knows the chiropractic flow and uh, maybe even how you are different as a chiropractor. So that's something we talk about as well, office design based on what type of practice you have right so we're not going to just pigeonhole it into one type of chiropractic care and so uh, I think our episode today is going to be very helpful for you Um, I'm in personally in the um, you know I'm eight years into my own space and so we're starting to have to freshen some things up a little bit and having a plan so we dive into that type of stuff as well so enjoy our episode and uh, we're going to dive into chiropractic office design Before our episode, I want to announce a new sponsor for the podcast, and that is The Grip Approach. Have you thought about adding more rehab services to your office, yet stalled, not knowing where to begin? Most of us know our patients would benefit from skilled rehab in addition to adjustments, but the process can seem daunting to implement and to know exactly what to do to get good results. As chiropractors, we're skilled at palpating the spine to know where to adjust, And the grip approach allows us to do the same thing with rehab by essentially palpating a patient's movement control with a series of simple tests. Grip shows you which rehab exercise to utilize, the best tissue therapies to use, and how often to do it for exceptional results with your patients every time. The best part is grip is organized online in a way that you can access seamlessly during patient care. By simply typing in a body region plus the movement of issue, you will get tons of great information on how to help your patients via quick one-minute clips and detailed notes. Right now, their their introductory course is 100% free on gripapproach.com. That is G-R-I-P approach 
com. So there's no reason not to check it out today. All right. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. I really appreciate your time today. I'm excited to bring on a fresh topic. You know, this is actually the month and four year anniversary this month of our podcast. And we've done it weekly without fail. And so sometimes, um, you know, it can be tricky to have new topics, but we've done a good job, I think, over the four years. But this is one we haven't talked a lot about, and it's very important. And we're going to talk about chiropractic office design today and uh, how that affects the practice and many other things. And before we, we dive into that, just tell us a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally, and we'll go from there. Um, well, first, I um, am a chiropractic patient myself, have been for 30 years. And um, so I'm an advocate for the profession. And that was a part of the passion um, to help elevate this profession so that more people would see it as a go-to for their health care. So that's, that's my personal side. I'm also um, a registered interior designer, interior architect. I'm married to an architectural designer and uh, contractor. And we form Crossfields together. And we organically fell into uh, designing chiropractic offices, which we do all over the country, chiropractic and all types of holistic health care, the chiropractic mm -hmm. being the primary one. So, um, yeah, we've been doing this uh, since 2011 mm -hmm. and we do it all virtually. We have six um, people working for us, three designers, marketing, mm -hmm. admin, things of that sort. So we That's love great. it. Love yeah. And how did you get into the chiropractic space? Um, well, we are here in the Atlanta area mm -hmm. and we were doing design build and Life University was one of my clients in 2003. And um, they were, um, you may know their history, um, mm -hmm. that they were not in a good place in 2003. And yeah, so I, we were... Yeah. Not to interrupt you, but I will. <laughs> um, it impact, it almost impacted me directly. I graduated from Florida state, um, right before that. And, uh, my plan had always been to go to life because of proximity. I'm down in South Florida. And at the time there was no chiropractic schools in Florida. And I had, luckily for me, I shadowed a car, a couple of chiropractors. And one of them was like, you know, something's going on with life. You know? And so he geared me towards looking at, um, Logan in St. Louis. Uh -huh. And I, I did, and I liked it. And I went to, I went to Logan and in literally my first, uh, month in Logan is when it all happened in Atlanta. So I know all about it. You know, all about it. Yes, yeah. That would be right. Exactly. That time. Well, um, we were, we started in between the presidents mm -hmm. and when Dr. Eatman came on board, he asked us, um, his big question was, you know, what do we do to improve the image of the university mm -hmm. physically because the facilities had fallen into ruin really. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time um, just developing all kinds of ideas. But what happened is we were, it became 80% of our, our work mm -hmm. to be at Life University. So we were on campus all the time. So what that did is got us very exposed to the more of the business of chiropractic, mm -hmm. um, the philosophies of the chiropractor, the, the struggles the struggles of the chiropractor, the mm -hmm. pioneer of the chiropractor. And um, we were asked to teach a class, mm -hmm. um, which we did a business class, which we still do now at, at Life Inn at Palmer, Florida, we teach mm -hmm. the class. But it's all about the impact your space has on your success. Yep. And so we talk a lot about flow mm -hmm. and we talk a lot about the image. Mm -hmm. So we want to 
uh, create a practical and impactful environment. But we started doing that in 2010 and we had through some, my chiropractor had a student opening in 2009. He had a friend in 2010. So we did a three or four little ones, mm-hmm. never intended to do it as a business, but it just evolved and we saw a need. And, and so we, um, it, it, and you're a story brander. I know that. Yeah. yeah. How we connected, right? So mm-hmm. most chiropractors, especially the ones that we work with already understand that a quality office environment will elevate their success. Mm-hmm but they struggle with the complexity of how to do that well. Yeah. And they, they very often fall short, honestly. So what we've done is we've developed a six step system to guide them through the process. And okay. so we can take them through the, the beginning from just what do they need all the way through the end. And then we also can do that, whether they're opening a new space or whether they need a facelift. So we work with a lot of chiropractors that are reinventing themselves. A yep. lot of chiropractors that are starting that sort. So yeah, it's it's never it's never too late, and you know, and I I talk to a lot of chiropractors and some I consult with, and um, inevitably it pops up here and there more than I would have ever imagined. To where when you narrow down their um, their stymied growth, it is because of a space issue, um, sure. whether it's they can't um, they can't bring on another associate because they don't have another en- enough treatment rooms for it. Right. or they can't bring on another front desk person they need because they don't have space for it in the front. Um, there's too many people coming in and out, not enough space. COVID-19 added a little weird layer uh, <laughs> for a lot of people, which we can, we can touch on in a minute too. So uh, it's definitely an issue. I actually ran into it myself. Um, I, I, so I've been practicing for 17 years now, but in 2010, I opened up my own practice and, and all I was actually doing was renting a room from an orthopedic office and uh-huh. it was do- designed for an orthopedic office. And I was only renting one room and I got uh, busy and, and obviously I realized early on it was going to be a problem. So uh, I was fortunate enough a few years into it to purchase my own office space and, and do the whole design thing. And so I recognized that space was a huge issue and I sought to, to rectify it. And then I did, um, and then from there, it's like, I'll talk about in a little bit, some of the ma- mistakes I made, um, some of the things that have worked out okay in my space, but um, it's definitely something that's a, that's a problem. Now you mentioned two things where it's not only kind of like the look and feel and design of, of being nice, but it's also the, the operations of it. Um, can you touch on that a little bit more, like on, on what your uh, recommendations are for a chiropractor in those two uh, aspects? From the stand, standpoint of operations. and Yeah, like that flow, that patient flow and such. So, um, well, I'm going to give you a big picture overview, Perfect. right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's three types of patient flow. There's your new patient flow. Mm-hmm. There's your existing patient flow. And then there's your staff flow. Wow. So each one of them, what we want to do is we want to understand before we design anything, mm-hmm. where those people whether they're patients or whatever are going to process through mm-hmm. and how you need to get them in. And so it's a, it's a matter of speed, right? Mm-hmm. Flow mm-hmm. well, and it's a matter of time, it's money, et cetera, for everyone. And the patients don't want to wait and be lingered, you know, linger either. Mm-hmm. So um, we first start looking at that. So what are the flow? Where do they have to go? Um, 
so that there's not a lot of crossover if there doesn't need to be. So there's no bottlenecking if there doesn't need mm-hmm. to be. Some yep. of the simplest little things are just looking at the width of your hallway. Yep. You could just do now code pretty much dictates that your hallways need to be 60 inches wide for wheelchair mm-hmm. accessibility and things of that sort. But if you're in an existing space, sometimes your the corridors are so small that just having one person stop to let another person pass, you don't think about how that starts to impede time and over the course of the space. The other thing that's real interesting is just the size of the space, the, each individual treatment area itself. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, the, one of the things we did do when we were at Life is we spent a lot of time interviewing people when we designed the clinics, mm-hmm. lots of different opinions about how much space do you really need around your adjusting table. Yeah. And, you know, some of it depends on technique, but mm-hmm. but there's a general rule that you need three feet around your adjusting table. If you mm-hmm. have less than that, it slows you down. Yep. You don't even realize it, but it does. Mm-hmm. If you have more than that, then there's a waste mm-hmm. to your square footage. So just look at, we always look at every room from inside out, and then we put those blocks together whenever we can. You know, yeah. obviously a brand new space gives you more opportunity than a remodel, but yeah, you know, and I, and I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. And and first off, I want to say that you, you have to invest in this type of stuff because it has an ROI, you know, that's the thing. It's not like it's just money spent, uh, that you you're not going to get back this, this, when it's done right, it has an ROI. And then when it's done wrong, it really can impact you for the long term. And so I remember when I went through this, uh, I purchased my space with the intention that I was going to die in this space, <laughs> you know, like okay. it was, I was never going anywhere else. I, I bought um, about 3000 square feet okay. and I'm in a, I'm in an expensive area. I'm down in Boca Raton, Florida. So it's not cheap. And, and, and to, to try to, to move would be a whole other thing. But um, I, I didn't need 3000 square feet at the time. And at this, at the same time, build out was very expensive. And uh, I had a pick of two units and I picked the one I'm in now because um, I ended up actually only knocking down a few walls and adding a few walls. Um, I was able to do a lot of things I wanted to, but I, I had an escape route if we got way busier than we were, where I could actually remodel it without closing down the office. Cause it's kind of the way it is now is there's this back office area and there's a couple of things that could definitely be done to uh, improve or get larger space. Um, so I had a, I definitely had a, um, a bailout plan to increase my square footage within, which goes to your point where you could always retrofit this. It's not ideal, but you don't want to stymie your growth by not making that decision when it's appropriate. And, and it's interesting what you said. Yes. Um, you're buying your space, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking of the long-term investment of yeah. it. And how do you, um, you don't, so what, you know, people say, I want to design it so I never have to worry about it again. Well, mm-hmm. you're not going to be the same person in seven years. It's true. You know, yeah. you're not going to have the same practice. And, mm-hmm. and the average in the industry is people remodel or move or do something about every seven years. Mm-hmm. That is the average. Yep. So um, that's when things also date from mm-hmm. a design standpoint. Yep. So with that being said, trying to figure out the most universal spaces is something that is key. If you can start from that space, you mm-hmm. know, what is the most universal size of a 
space that can be used for so many different types of, yeah. of treatments or whatever that you use. Now, and then, you know, there's lots of different options there. But yeah, actually, I want to ask a question on that. Um, is there any difference that you recommend a chiropractor if they're renting their space versus buying? And when they do this whole process? It, okay, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. When you're renting your space, you typically unless it's the space, the most ideal space in the whole world, most people don't stay there. We already talked about that seven to 10 years, right? Yep. You tip a typical lease is five years. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it has more of a trial mentality, of course, yeah. of, of that. And I, I mean, I say that there are people that have been leasing their space for 30 years. They're just in a, an area where they don't want to buy or they can't buy or something mm -hmm. of that sort. So when we go into a plan, we want to know what your long-term plans are for that space. Okay. Yep. So in a, um, you're going to do a lot less investment into a space you lease because you're not going to get to keep it. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the biggest difference, the mm -hmm. very biggest difference. And, yep. and yeah, you, when you're buying, you're definitely investing in the long-term. Um, so you're willing to, to put a little bit more money into it. Uh, one of the things that I ran into was with the 3000 square feet and the cost of build out down here was, um, it was expensive. You know, I, I put about $125,000 into this space and I didn't even do everything, uh, that I wanted to, uh, and I didn't gut it. Right. So, uh, that would be another topic I'd like to touch on was that I took an existing space and kind of morphed it into what would work for us. Actually, it was set up really well considering, um, but, the difference in, in kind of altering a space and, and updating it versus completely gutting it and building it from scratch can be substantial. Now, do you help with that decision-making process and also trying to say, look, if you don't gut it and redo it, the ROI problem is going to catch up to you in about X amount of years and stuff. Is that some of the calculations you try to figure out? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you've got, so one of the things that we do, um, is we do a really real, we, our step one is where we figure out how much square footage, square footage you need. Okay. Mm -hmm. So ideally that was created before you ever go look for space. Mm -hmm. um, so that you have a range of what you need for you. You absolutely need to have to work in the practice that you want yep. versus what you'd like to have. And there, that range happens before you mm -hmm. go start looking for space. So you probably did that in some form or fashion to figure out that 3000 would be your probably your max yep. in some kind of business model. So it's a little bit of your business model mixed with just actual, how big do each one of these rooms need to be? And mm -hmm. it's a quantitative thing. Yeah. Well, step two is what we call explore. And that mm -hmm. is where we really look at all the different options that we can. Because mm -hmm. it's so much cheaper to do it on paper than it is to do it in real life, right? Yes. So what are the different options? So um, you take someone like yourself that has a space that you're remodeling. Mm -hmm. Yes, we start from how do we do it with minimal to no wall movement? Yeah. Okay? As long as we're within code, right? Minimal mm -hmm. to no wall movement. Thinking first of the function. And then we'll look at the extreme of the, of the other side. And then what happens is it's just a natural pro and con that happens mm -hmm. that yes, it's going to be more expensive to gut it and remodel, but I may end up yielding two more spaces that I didn't yep. have. Mm -hmm. So what is that going to produce for me? Um, because square footage is not equivalent if the rooms aren't the right size. Yep. You know? yep. mm -hmm. 
Well, and the same the same thing that you may have the right number of rooms, but they're all too small to really yeah. do what you need to do. So where's your inefficiency going to happen mm-hmm. in that? And what is that going to do to you? That's harder to quantify, but it is there. It is a, a re- relationship there. Or like I was talking about, the, the corridors are small. It's mm-hmm. amazing how much that can impede, just having mm-hmm. bottleneck places. Yes. Definitely. And yeah, that was a part of the decision-making process I had was uh, I've got five treatment rooms around. I do a lot of um, sports rehab in our practice, which is a a question I want to ask here in a minute, the different types of chiropractors there are. Um, So we have a very sports chiropractic practice. And so it was important for me. I have this huge open rehab area that's rubberized flooring and all that. And then all of the treatment rooms surround on the outskirts of that. So we can easily go in from room to room, but also go out to see a patient that's doing some rehab and come back in and all that. Um, and it lo- the five rooms for us is, is plenty, but the rooms are actually too big. And okay. I had to make that decision. I wouldn't call it too big, but they're about 10 by 15, which is large. They yeah. definitely don't need to be that big, but it was, you know, to you just, the- do, you, do you just have a table or do you have more than a table? In your we room? have the table. We have a nice built-in de- um, countertop with computers in each room and all that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's just the, the table and, but the decision-making process with it, the, um, there was four rooms. One of them was the size of two. And so we just put a wall in the middle to form two rooms. Okay. But the other three are those like kind of 10 by 15, 15s um, or 10 by 14s. And the cost would have been to remodel those completely to knock down walls and make them more like say 10 by 10 would have been substantial. And it, and those extra couple of feet, I would have say, wasn't going to really make a big difference on my right. flow or capacity. But if you'd been able to do that and gain a whole nother room, mm-hmm. then you would have had to start looking at that cost. Exactly. Right. But right. I wasn't right. going to be able to get a whole nother room right. out of it. Um, right. You have to figure out what you're going to end up yielding yeah. space-wise versus mm-hmm. yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And it was, it was a process and I didn't, like, I didn't even work. I wish I would have known about you and your company back then. This was 20, early 2013. So I know you were um, kind of new to the chiropractic part as well. Um, but that's to like, kind of my next point was I worked with an architect, but he didn't know anything about chiropractic. You know, it was me and him working together on it. And, and that's kind of like how sometimes I explain some marketers, uh, there's some very good marketers that just do not know the nuances of chiropractic and the congruency is just not there when they try to work with chiropractors. And it's the same way with an architect. They just don't know the flow and the nuances of a, of a practice. And so they don't optimize that for you. And so I know that's got to be something that obviously is your sweet spot. Yeah. Well, so having worked in the same world that that architect worked in, where every Mm -hmm. client that we had, really until we started working at Life University, but even at Mm -hmm. that, we were doing classrooms, we were doing offices, you know, so we would bring in our experience from the past, which was Mm -hmm. a lot of offices and retail environments, et cetera. But classrooms were a brand new thing. So I had to learn mm-hmm. a lot about classroom design to do a good job for them. Yeah. And the first time that I did it, I was just asking them what they need. And mm-hmm. I was just taking what they need and putting it on paper. I never challenged it. But then as I continued to do classrooms, I got to challenge more because I saw mm-hmm. what worked and what didn't work. Well, that's what we're bringing is that we know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And um, beyond just space planning, because, um, you know, it's it's what flows and what doesn't flow. Mm-hmm. 
Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our sponsor, Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years and we've worked hand in hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else to do search engine optimization. There's so much to it and she does a great job. If you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. You just have to have this type of stuff done for you. There's just no way around it. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results and your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor to get your free SEO website review today. Look, you've heard me talk about ChiroUp before, and I'll talk about them again. For those of you that aren't familiar with ChiroUp or haven't checked them out, what they are doing is amazing. I just love their clinical expertise and how they really help the chiropractor and help the chiropractor help their patient base. Right? ChiroUp is an online platform designed by two chiropractors, Dr. Tim Bertelsman and Dr. Brandon Steele. They have nailed down the three things that chiropractors want and then created the resources to accomplish these goals all in one online system. Look, if you want to save more time, treat more conditions confidently, and grow your practice, then you need to try ChiroUp. Their subscribers love ChiroUp because the resources are practice game changers. I love them because I feel like we don't know how to create content sometimes and we struggle with ideas or feeling confident in what we're talking about and ChiroUp really helps solve that for you. And you will love them because of their commitment to work with you and your unique practice goals. Seriously, go to their website, check out their plans and see what they're all about. First time subscribers can get 15% off their monthly subscription with the code CHRISTY15. That's CHRISTY15 for 15% off your monthly subscription. The one thing that I can tell you, and you, you touched on it, there are so many different kinds of chiropractors. <laughs> yes. So I wanted to, yeah, that was going to be my question is, do you kind of do an audit of the chiropractor and see what their practice is like and things like yes, that? Yes. Okay. yes. Tell so me about way, that. Yeah. The way we start is right off the bat, um, trying to understand their practice, mm -hmm. what their methodology is, you know, are, you know. I know that you're evidence-based or vitalistic. Mm -hmm. Are you straight chiropractor? Are you very physical therapy? You know, there's yeah. all, they're all over the place. They're yeah, no, it's place. everywhere. And 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 also, um, as I was telling you, we don't just do chiropractors. Mm -hmm. So we'll work with people that um, you know are doing a body work, or we'll mm -hmm. do people that are doing uh, recovery wellness recovery type mm -hmm. practice, you know, where they got cryotherapies and things of that sort too. So anything that has to do that realm. Yeah. But um, as I'm saying that we understand enough about what has to happen in the room and how things flow, mm -hmm. but we're not about to tell a chiropractor how to run his business or how yeah. to run his flow. We want yeah. to understand from him mm -hmm. and we filter it through our experience yeah. to kind of, and, and team with them. That's our goal is to team with them. 
That's perfect. Yeah. Cause that's, that's important. You don't want to, you know, square, what is a square peg in a round hole? That's for sure. Yeah. And but that unlike an architect, just to finish that, just mm-hmm. unlike an architect that has never worked in that space before, that architect becomes a more of an order taker yep. instead of a challenger. If mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, the other thing I wanted to touch on, and this is again, going from my personal experience as well, around that same time, I actually had a uh, chiropractic office inside of a large corporation, um, 80T Security uh, was the name of it. And one of our patients in there, she was the lead architect design, but more from like an interior, not sorry, not architect design, interior design. Okay. And she had experience in healthcare uh, design in the sense of color schemes and and, uh, carpet and furniture and kind of having it um, more of like a healthcare field. And so she actually did that for me. And I thought it went pretty well because I remember saying to her, and this could be right or wrong, but I said, I wanted a nice office, but I don't want like a gaudy museum. Like I don't want marble flooring. And like, you know, I feel like there's this like happy medium of the patient going to a chiropractor doesn't want to think, oh, now I see where my money's going towards, right? To where it's just over the top, expensive and nice. But I wanted it to be nice and and a nice kind of uh, color scheme in there. Is there something to be said about that? There, well, let me just say we we would inter we interview our chiropractors or mm-hmm. or any of our uh, clients, right? But our chiropractors, and we dig into. What is it that your image is that you're trying to portray? Yeah. Right. And what you said is exactly what we would be doing. We also mm-hmm. have you pull together pictures and images because picture speaks a thousand words. Yeah. But you have to design to your chiropractic base. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were going to be a chiropractor to um, the rich and famous only, in Beverly Hills. Yeah. 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 I mean, you are in Boca. So come on. You I know. Be- I know. Well, it's <laughs> nice. It's nice. But, you know, I, I didn't. But really- you were going to be, you know, associated with that um, that elitist and they yeah. wanted to be mm-hmm. only seen by the elitist. Yeah. Then you need to look the elitist mm-hmm. part. So you might need the marble. On yep. the mm-hmm. Do you follow me? No, so yeah, for sure. Typically, what we talk about is you want to design to your most ideal client. Mm hmm. Just like you want to create your marketing for it's a it, your office is your biggest marketing expense. It is absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So um, you want to design to your most ideal uh, client. Mm-hmm. You want to design to the upper level of your most ideal client if you can. Okay, yep. but you can't go over. Um, you can't go so far over that you're going to repel the ones that you really want. You have to. You have to. You know. You have to. Come, come pal, as you were saying, you yep. have to get them to want to be there. So mm-hmm. when you think about it, I think about retail design. Yep. So in retail design, when you go to, when you go to Walmart versus mm-hmm. Target versus, you know, we have Macy's here. I think you have yep. something like Macy's down there. Yep. Those all have different expectations of how much you're going to spend when you go. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to get and what kind of service you're going to get or not get. All of them make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you can be a Walmart chiropractor, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And make mm-hmm. a lot of money if that's your clientele, but you're better be giving them a bargain. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you better be the low price leader. You know, that's what that image is. And you understand what I'm saying? Versus- oh, it's like, well, I, I use the example because 
my wife actually was the um, visual director at Saks Fifth Avenue. She did all like the windows and all the decor and all that. And she was really talented at that. Um, and talk about a design concept and, and an expectation of clientele, right? That's like... Exactly, exactly, exactly. So um, I, I'll give you a couple of examples. We have a, a chiropractor, you do functional neurology, right? Mm -hmm. So functional neurology being more of a cash-based, high dollar, mm -hmm. a little, unfortunately, you know, the pe most of the people that go there are really, really sick. It's their last yep. chance, right? Or they're elite athletes or something. Mm -hmm. But um, it, just because of that, there's an expectation of what the, that space needs to be yep. um, by the patients that go. You know, mm -hmm. they, they need to feel like, you know, if I'm going to spend a thousand dollars a day to be here, I'm yeah. going to expect to be, and, and it's also got to be different for them, mm -hmm. you know, depending on that practice. But if you take someone that's um, more of a family chiropractor or a pediatric chiropractor or, a, you know, or any of those, they're going to have a whole different presence when the mm -hmm. people come in, you know, yep. and what's, mm -hmm. what's happening. You've oh, yeah. No, sports. it's sports is a great example. You know, yeah. you, you, I'm assuming that you feel you're not real poshy because you're a little bit more Jimmy, you know, yeah. more like a gym yep. and more like that place where people are going to. Yeah. It, and yeah. it goes all the way into even the clothes I wear um, when I'm treating patients. It's so it's like, and that was part of my whole thing with that particular designer. I said, like, you're, we're a sports practice. So, you know, we've got rubberized flooring in the gym area. Um, people are coming in here to, to do some rehab, to get some muscle work done. It's a, a lot of active folks. Uh, I wear kind of like golf slacks that are comfortable with a nice polo because I'm working hard, uh, spending about 15 minutes with a patient. And, and so it's definitely a different, um, image for sure. And it, and I'm glad to hear that you kind of get that feel and, and understanding from that particular chiropractor to make those, um, decisions. So, my, my next question I wanted to, to kind of transition to a little bit was, uh, I'm going to ask you, do, do you do anything with furniture, um, choice, uh, design sales, or is that you outsource that to someone else or any, do you make recommendations? We make recommendations. We help select, mm -hmm. we help them purchase. We don't sell anything. Perfect. Okay. We don't, we don't sell any product at all. Because that can be a big part of it too. Um, even the front desk is, I know there's companies that do that. And um, I wanted to kind of circle back to what you said about the seven year mark. Uh, are you familiar with the scheduling Institute that's based out of Atlanta? No, yeah. I, I no. should, I would try to connect you with them because they work mostly with dentists, but they do work with a lot of chiropractors as well. And I do some work with them and they're helping me out with my front desk. Um, as far as the training of the front desk and answering okay. calls and all that. But, uh, the, the CEO, his name's Jay Geyer. He, he does these little audios and things of that nature. And, and he actually said the same thing as you, as far as updating furniture, paint, things of that nature. He said about every seven years, um, between where and, and obviously just the changes of taste and things of that nature it's a reality that you have to reinvest in that. And it's funny because I see it. I'm in year eight of my practice right now. And I've got a laundry list of things that I've been putting off where um, even just touching up the paint and I'm going to next year, redo the carpet. We were this year, we're do, redoing all of the cabinetry that's in here. 
Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a real thing. And so I want you to talk about the importance of that and some of the other insights about it. So if you think about how, um, your clothing, okay, it's your clothing and, um, you know, some, if you buy really good quality clothing, it can last longer than seven years, Yeah. but you don't keep wearing it. I've got, I've got some jackets that still have big old shoulder pads and they're not worn out, you know, from the eighties. I keep hoping they come back, (laughs) but, um, but I just, I've kept a couple of them because Mm. they were really, really expensive. It's back Mm -hmm. when we wore suits all the time. And they, but, um, they just, things date, they just date. And Mm. if, if, if your space, if your clothing date, you're looked at as fuddy duddy. If your space dates, you're not up to date. You're not, you're not cutting edge. You're not, you're not a thought leader. You're not a, whatever the words that you want to use. It's mm-hmm. just, so, um, you know, it's something that unfortunately it's just something that's an expense. It is. It's, an, it's an investment though, right? It's an investment. <laughs> yeah, it is, it, investment. It, it is. And it's just like, whether you're investing in employees, team members, you're investing in marketing, you're investing in updating your space. There is a return on it when it's done right. And that's something I didn't really believe in two or three years ago, but the more that I've interviewed people, talked to people, listen, read, like it's a, it's a big, big, um, investment that's going to have an ROI to it. And it does matter. Uh, and things do get dated quickly. Like we just actually bought a new house and they completely remodeled the um, kitchen in 2012. And I would, and we're going to redo it this year because in, in that period of time, it's, it's not up to date. And I was kind of sick to my stomach when the general contractor told me how much our cabinetry that's in there now, what, like it's very nice cabinetry and it's expensive, but it's not what you would want in a 2021 redesign. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I, I kind of don't want to get rid of those cabinets because they're so expensive. Um, but it just doesn't look the part. It doesn't look like what we want. And so things yeah. go out of, out of style pretty quickly. And it, it's really sad. And I'll just speak to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times when we're doing renovations or mm-hmm. what we call facelifts for people. Yep. There'll be furnishings, front desks, things of that mm-hmm. sort, maybe a feature wall that they know they spend a lot of money on. Yep. But it's like, okay, this still looks like 1980. You yep. know, I'm yep. sorry. You just have mm-hmm. to, you're, yep. you're never going to be where you need to be. So, and then how much you put into it, knowing that it's going to date, mm-hmm. you know, how there's no, there's nothing that doesn't date. The yep. more you can, the more you can stay away from, well, let me say this. Mm-hmm. This is another difference in a lease space versus a, someplace you're buying is that yeah. you can be a little bit more um, trendy in a lease mm-hmm. space because yeah. you're not going to stay there. Yeah. You follow me? Mm-hmm. As opposed to a space you're going to buy, you if you have any trendiness, it needs to be able to be easily changed yeah. or a you know, mixture. But- mm-hmm. And the other thing I want to I recommend to the audience, because I do talk a lot about finances in the show, whether I have a guest or even my personal experiences, but... I'm, I'm actually the president of my condo association, the medical condo bu- building that I'm in. Cause it's a, it's a two story big uh, medical building and, and I'm the president. And so it's been interesting uh, over the last few years of doing that because I see how uh, we budget for expenses and reserves 
for paint and reserves for roof and reserves for elevator and all these things. And it's like, it's like, do we really need $500,000 in the bank for all this stuff? And come to find out, yes, you do <laughs> because this stuff ages and you got to re- you got to do it. And I bring it up because it's helped me in my, so I've got a holding company that owns the real estate and then my chiropractic practice pays the holding company. But in my holding company, I put extra money in there every month uh, for the basic things, like if the air conditioning tanks, obviously like fixes like that. But I also put money in there um, preparing for these types of new furniture. Like I've got a lot of furniture in here and at some point I'm going to have to just redo the whole thing. And that could cost $30,000 based on what I have in here. Cause I know what I spent the first time. Um, and so I, I'm planning ahead for this. And so that would be my recommendation out there. Try not to just say on one fell swoop, you got to spend $40,000 on something, try to prepare for that ahead of time. So that way it's a little more manageable and easy to digest. Yes. And I, I just want to say this, um, since we teach students, um, Mm -hmm. the, some of the things that can make your office look dated are things you can still buy today. Yeah. Meaning that I've seen many chiropractic offices that look great and they bought the best chair buy they could on chairbiz.com. Mm-hmm. It looks like it came from 1980. I'm yeah. like, you know, why did you do that? Well, it's a quality chair and it'll last for a long time. I yeah. go, yeah, unfortunately, you're not going to, but yeah. they got a deal on it. So, what, mm-hmm. what, from a first impression, you want to get as high design quality as you can get. Mm-hmm for the least amount of money, if you can afford to replace it. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? So we tell students get, get things that, I mean, I don't care if you go to target.com, just replace it in two years because it's not going to last you. A quality Mm -hmm. piece of commercial furniture is going to last you a long time, Mm -hmm. but it's not always, it may already be dated. So, Mm -hmm. so you have to play with that. Do you follow what I'm saying? Oh, the, for sure. Now, yeah, the best I, I, looking and the best quality are going to be the most money. Yeah, so, but it could last you longer, and that's what I did actually. I went through a company called OC White or JC White. I think it's JC White, um, but that's what they do. They they specialize in office furniture, yes. and they they gave me a designer. So I sat down with her, and we she gave me all these options for everything. You can see in my background my big desk area, um, to all the chairs and the waiting rooms and the all, like just everything picked it out, color schemes and all that. And, and it's very, it's commercial, like commercial needs to have the ability to have more wear and tear. And so, uh, and then they did the ordering, they did the delivery, they set it all up. It was all one fell swoop and it's really paid off in the long run because even after eight years, it, the vast majority of it still looks very good. And she did a good job of helping me find stuff that was a little more not trendy, I guess, more uh, traditional or long lasting. I don't know what the exact word is, but uh, non-trendy is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> non-trendy. So it's not going to. Plastic would be another word. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's been very helpful, but even with that, I know I need in the next few years, going to have to redo some of that. Yeah. And so. and. Yeah, you because know, coloring changes mm-hmm. and yep. things of that sort change, and they they it cycles. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just going to put it in a storage unit. Wait till it cycles back. 
<laughs> so, but so you know, I this was great. I, I got a lot of good information out of it. I hope our audience did as well. I mean, this could probably be a four-hour podcast on all of it. I just think ultimately, as chiropractors, as business owners, we have to start thinking of our space and everything involved with it as part of your ROI and your ability to um, provide a really good patient experience and uh, workflow. And so. Um, is there anything else you wanted to recommend for our chiropractors? And then we can uh, ask how they can reach out to you if they have any questions. Um, the only thing I want to say is just to kind of sum it all up is mm-hmm. there is a psychology of your environment. Mm-hmm. And just to understand that you can either, either add to the essence of everything that you're trying to say, mm-hmm. or you can detract them. Yeah. So we were talking about retail design. There's also cultural design and hospitality mm-hmm. design and things of that. So patients want to keep coming back. Yep. So all of those things, think about Starbucks. Yeah. It's all the space, you know, yep. so it, it's a, it's very, very powerful if it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. So it's really to your point, uh, coffee shops have always been that thing. I think about um, pre pandemic. And when I used to live in a in a downtown environment versus now in the suburbs, uh, I was a very um, avid, you know, coffee shop person where I would get a lot of my work done. And there was like five coffee shops, but there was really like two where when I walked in there, I was like, I almost felt like I was at home, you know, and it just had a great feel and ambiance to it. Just like we, we know we see with some restaurants and things of that nature. So um, your chiropractic office could be the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. How can our audience reach out to you to find out more information if they want to redesign, go from scratch, all the different things that are out there to to enhance their office space? Well, um, we have a very hefty website. It's Mm -hmm. under chiropractic office design uh, or under Crossfields, either one. That's our company is Crossfields. But um, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, Instagram, Pinterest, all, all of this stuff. Ah, Pinterest would be really good for you. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's an example of marketing where, you know, maybe the chiropractor is not going to be on Pinterest, but the, uh, definitely what you do would be great on Pinterest. So there's some specific platforms for whatever industry you're in. That's a good one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then we have a lot of free resources, um, okay. and any, you know, and yes, and on our website, you can contact us and we go through a complimentary consultation to really dig into what you want and what mm-hmm. you need and to come back with our recommendations of how we can serve you. So. Perfect. That's great. And I'll make sure that's in the show notes. And uh, I really thank you for your time today. I appreciate it too. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.